This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. It was said that life at sea was no place for a lady. However, this was hardly the way to describe Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, two fearless female pirates that lived during the golden age of Caribbean piracy of the 1700s. What brief record does exist of the lives of Anne Bonny and Mary Reed is filled with enough notorious deeds to qualify both women for a place of honor beside the likes of Blackbeard and other well-known male pirates. Armed with the confidence of her machete and her trusted pistol, loaded as always, Bonnie took the first swing at the invading pirate hunters, gritting her teeth and daring them to come closer as she spat in the slew of ruddy faces charging across the deck, swarming the ship whose belly was filled with the twelve cowardly souls of her former crewmates. The revenge had been followed through the Caribbean waters for weeks, chased by British hired mercenaries, and it was all finally coming to a head that fateful day in 1720. Alongside Bonnie, Mary Reed brandished her deadly cutlass and charged across the deck into the steady stream of soldiers sent to capture the Calico's motley band of pirates. Though the two women alone put up a vicious fight, using everything at their disposal to evade capture, while the rest of their shipmates hid below the decks. In the end, Bonnie and Reed were greatly outnumbered and arrested to be put on trial along with the rest of Rackham's crew. But how exactly did these two women wind up where they did that fateful afternoon in 1720? Tonight, we take you on a whole new adventure, filled with reckless racketeering pirates and swashbuckling savvy sea women, only on Into the Portal. Welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we're coming at you with episode 16. Is it 16? Or no, it's 17. Oh my gosh. Oops. Yeah. Uh, I think it's 17. <laughs> 16 or 17, something like that. I always it's get crazy. lost with the Roman time, numerals. Time flies, right? It does. It's and crazy. I am really, really excited about this week's episode. Yeah, you've been talking it's about it. It's kind of out of left field for us, but it does have a good mix of history and a little bit of legendary status people. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. and uh, we are talking about the true pirates of the Caribbean. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And so I think our main focus tonight is on two lovely ladies, if you want to call them that. Yeah, I'm but sure lots of people wouldn't have referred nope, to them that way. Nope, but we are uh, going to keep it classy. <laughs> yeah. So we're focusing on Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed, yes. two infamous pirates mm-hmm. that have a sort of convoluted background and some there's a lot of potential misinformation about them and it's sort of ambiguous the ending Um, yes and uh, they're definitely more legend than fact yeah it's just a fascinating story that amber's been just non-stop talking about for a while have i been nagging to do this one i honestly i I I wanted to back my head because i originally i heard about this topic on another podcast called stuff you missed in history right 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 so yeah they did a really good job and it just got me really just 
focused on pirates and just like how freaking cool they are, man. It and is just like it is so cool. When I was a kid, I was absolutely obsessed with pirates. <laughs> Literally for like five years straight, all of my birthday parties were pirate themed. Didn't you guys name that rock at Christina like Pirate Point? Pirate too? Point. Yeah. yeah, we named it. Yeah, it's like a little a little peninsula kind of thing. Yeah, we would go uh, canoe over dingy. and absolutely. <laughs> But I think what's most fascinating about the Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed and their story is just the idea of, like, we all know of, you know, Blackbeard and pirate stories and stuff like that growing up. Everybody kind of hears vague kind of stories about this, and we just know how intense they are. And the idea that two women could hold their own on a ship mm-hmm. back then mm-hmm. is so cool. It's, it is, like, intense. <laughs> because the life on a ship was intense. And yep. on a pirate ship especially, obviously. And women were not welcome usually and we'll get into that because there's definitely um some switching up of gender roles in this story and some gender ambiguity for a lot of it which is quite entertaining it is and a lot of it is again like yeah um the stuff of legend so we're gonna get into all that but first i think we wanted to start off with just a general sort of get into a little bit of the background of this story and sort of where Anne and Mary fit in. Right. Because they actually, they came about during the end of the golden era of piracy in the yeah. Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And the, the, yeah, their their time was definitely marked by uh, a, a very negative, hostile attitude towards piracy on the part of the British crown and right. Spanish. Everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere that was established because there was definitely, um, uh, France was a player, all the colonial people, right? So right. in France you had the Spanish and then you had the British. And the Portuguese also, were in there too. The Dutch were there, yeah. all of them. So it was just like a big mix. And by this point, pirates were no longer welcome. Yeah. But that was not the case originally. No, there was a different, there no. was an evolution of piracy and exactly. it definitely didn't uh, go in the direction of, uh, pleasantries let's say well between colonial powers especially (laughs) a lot of it has to do with politics and the famous line that the pope drew on the world map basically divided the world into two sections the new world was given it was just gifted to the spanish right he just drew it right through the middle of the atlantic ocean he did just took a i'm assuming a i mean not a jiffy marker obviously (laughs) it was just a big quill some yeah Yeah, some eagle quill. It's just so hilarious. It's like (laughs) the the Pope just decides that you get this half. Right? How does that even make sense? So wait a second. Does that mean that the Brits get all the other half? Like, is that how it works? Yeah. What about everyone else, man? Right? Because they were simultaneously colonizing all along the coasts of Africa and all down, um, all down, obviously, the Americas. Right. So it's just very interesting to me to think that, like, Everyone seemed to be okay with it at first. Yeah. Right? There yeah. wasn't really... Because, like, the Pope... I guess by this point... Which Pope was it? Um, I'm actually not even sure. But I think he was a Spanish Pope. Because well, I'm assuming Because he was definitely so. favoring the Spanish. Indeed. And on top of that, I believe by this point, the Brits had already formed the Anglican Church. They'd already had the Protestant Revolution and all this stuff. As far as I'm aware. But okay. if anyone can... Prove me wrong, please do. Because yeah, I that wasn't really the focus that. for this episode. So no, if you have so any info, that. yeah, you can shout it out it for up. sure. But anyways, yeah. So essentially, what happened was this occurred, and all of continental, all of the Americas were just called like New New Spain or whatever. Yeah, 
And, uh, and then eventually the Brits started to get pretty jealous because they saw the wealth that the Spain, Spain, Spaniards, I should say, Spanish yeah. Spaniards, <laughs> were reaping the conquistadors. Yes. But anyway, No, they were looting and they were doing quite well in, they the, were. in their heyday. They were doing right? fabulously. And they were bringing home huge boatloads of treasure and yep. establishing along the way, like, colonies across the Bahamas and in the Caribbean. They definitely uh, started to install, like, 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 what am I trying to say? Herds of livestock. Right. Yeah. They brought yeah so, animals with them. So they were looking yeah. long term, obviously. Right. Yeah. They were mm-hmm. flora and fauna and, and yeah, supplanting and their just, livelihoods. Exactly. And so that was just a way to ensure that they actually had stuff to eat along the way. Yeah. And these guys actually flourished. They were just wild herds of pigs. They had cows, uh, I believe sheep, goats, that type of thing. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was flourishing. And then of course you get... These British eyes, not Spanish eyes, British eyes, (laughs) they're starting to get pretty envious. And so that's where we kind of get into Cromwell. Yeah. So you came, you looked into Cromwell a bit, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, just uh, just a little bit. <laughs> so he was a uh, a military political leader um, for the English, and he he served as Lord Protector of the Commonwealth of England, and Scotland and Ireland. Um, so and that was from I believe sixteen in the sixteen fifties until mm-hmm. his death. Um, but he was he was uh, he was a motivated guy, and he ended up leading a fleet of British ships over to the New World to basically confront the Spanish. Alrighty. Um, so <laughs> that's pretty daring, actually, because they were pretty well established. They they were. I mean, they kind of they like rigged they, to, a, they rigged together a, a sizable fleet themselves, the the English, mm-hmm. and you know experienced seamen, and they were. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they they needed to kind of they needed to assert dominance in the uh, in the Caribbean, right? Because the Spanish were basically they you know, they had a stronghold there. And if the English were going to have any chance of establishing the same sort of, you know, eventually what would become like New England and these types of things, even, you know, further north on the coast, they needed to have more control over the seas because mm-hmm. they, they, they didn't. Um, and so they were sending ships to Hispaniola, the island of Hispaniola, so, which is now obviously <clears throat> the, the, the Dominican Republic and, and Haiti, Haiti yeah. which was Spanish controlled. And that didn't go so well. They get there, they make a uh, a relatively safe <laughs> voyage across the Atlantic. It didn't go so well. But they, uh, yeah, I mean, you. what did you find on that? Well, obviously, it was a massive failure. That's what I saw. And I thought it was very interesting because part of the crew that was enlisted in part of these fleets was none other than Henry Morgan, who basically went on to be one of the most famous buccaneer pirates yeah. in history. Right. And so, essentially, what happened was... So the story goes, the, the, the seamless narrative that I uh, was watching in a documentary last night <laughs> <laughs> was um, essentially, yeah, uh, it fails. And then they look to none other than Jamaica because they can't actually, they were pretty severely wounded. There was a lot that died in the original offensive. And so they didn't really have the means to make the trip home. Yeah, like they lost supplies. They lost yes. a lot. Yeah. yeah, they weren't able to do much else other than kind of limp their way over to another island, I to guess. To Jamaica, yeah. And so it wasn't really pretty over there as well, as far as I could tell. But essentially what happened was, uh, yeah, Henry and uh, all these other, Henry Morgan, I should say, all these other troops, they ended up uh, establishing what's known as Port Royal. 
Yeah, the infamous pirate city is sort of how it, it's gone down in history. Yeah. Um, but, of course, at first it was just a the English Caribbean stronghold, the capital of Port Royal. Well, that's just where, that's where it gets interesting. Because when, when this all happened, essentially what happened was the British crown had to, they obviously had to hire people to take care of this port. Right. They had to have some sort of arrangement. I'm thinking, like, it's almost similar to, like, the, the, the heydays of, like, the mob or something, where it was, like, you know, they, uh, they, they were, like, hired to protect. There was, like, you know, there was secretive contracts, that type of thing. And, For sure. And so people like Henry Morgan became buccaneers. Yeah. Buccaneers, which essentially is an anglicized word that came from French for jerky, which is what these guys were eating. It was just, it was people, it was just vagabonds. It was criminals. It was people that obviously, like, were just deplorables and unsuitable for life. And they were looking for something new. They so were rag, they were ragtag crews. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why all these people were, uh, were finding themselves in the new world. Obvi- a lot of them were jumping ship, that right. type of thing. And yeah. they would find themselves trying to live on these islands, these tiny islands that were sporadically populated with these boars and, um, and these cows and everything. And so essentially they crafted a method of just drying the meat and, like, having basically a spit, and then they would form the meat into jerky, and then buccaneers was the, the word, I guess, in French for that? Yeah. And so, like, anyways, that's a total side note. Isn't that hilarious, but though? But isn't that I, cool? I like, thought that was so interesting. It's like, because people would be like, you know, you're, you're, it's such a, it's such a cool word, like a buccaneer, you know what I mean? Like, like sailing mean? the high it's seas, like, it's like a jerky sailing it means, the high it seas. It means jerky. <laughs> but that's, it's, uh, it makes sense. Uh, so this guy, anyways, getting back to Henry Morgan here, he essentially becomes the sword of England. And they were freaking ruthless, man. And it was all wink, wink, nod, nod, buddy, buddy with the crown. And it was all condoned. He actually had what was called, oh, what is it called? It's a um, a note of, or a letter of something. Oh Basically gosh. like the pirate era version of the a James letter Bond of license Mark. to kill. A letter of Mark. Yes. So these were carried by privateers, essentially like Henry Morgan, and they were letters from the crown to signify that they were actually legally attacking and plundering Spanish ships and then splitting the profits back with their home. Right. Hometown. Yeah. <laughs> hometown, hometown team. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, they're, they're plain favorites. And, and so they would um, target these Spanish ships and other um, merchant vessels, that type of thing. And it got pretty nasty. Yeah. And it actually culminated... In war between the colonial powers in the area. So it was like, it was a 12 to 13 year war. It started in 1701 and it went on to 1713 and it actually ended in the Treaty of Utrecht. I believe the war was called um, uh, Queen Anne's War. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. Queen Anne's War. And so before this time, essentially the Caribbean was just a wild, wild west. Yeah. And you could basically get away with anything you wanted. And it even became even more so for pirates after this treaty was signed because essentially what happened was all parties agreed that they would not attack and they would not support the attack and plunder of merchant vessels of a foreign origin. So in that sense, it was just free game for well, the left. pirates. They're like, okay, well, you guys, you, you you know what I mean? Like, they're just like, well, we can attack you then. We're yeah. going to attack British yeah. ships. We're going to attack whatever we want now right. because we're just, we're in it for ourselves now. If there's no, and they didn't have to split the profits anymore. Well, exactly. And so that's a huge and if, thing. if they did, they, they had no other option. I mean, that was their livelihood, right? Mm. Like being privateers. And now with, exactly. with the way things are changing, they, they had no, they, they're there not going to change. There was a bitty, a, a bitty, <laughs> a big economic downturn 
that occurred right after this treaty was signed because all of these people were put out of work, essentially. Right. And all the bars, all the shops, all the merchants, they were <clears throat> run aground, essentially, because all these people were... They weren't plundering. They weren't spending money anymore. Yeah. So it actually... You had need a, the pirates. It had a huge effect. Absolutely. And Port Royal was obviously probably pretty hurting by this point. Well, but it's solely dependent on that. Exactly. When did Port Royal actually go down? Ooh. Well, that's actually a point oh. I wanted to make because the, well, the reason you might you might yeah, be wondering those who are familiar with Port Royal and with pirate stories and stuff why we're not getting like, into too much details with Port Royal because mm-hmm. it deserves its own episode. It does, and it's going to get it. So we're not going to get go into too many details on Port Royal exactly because it's such a fascinating story in and of itself. Yes, but anyway. So where are we now? We're up to the treaty and. Yeah, the end of this war. Right. And so essentially privateering becomes pirating and it becomes punishable by death. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, the way that's portrayed in like the Pirates of the Caribbean's movies and stuff like that with the, you know, hanging, hanging corpses outside of uh, Mm. either off the front ends of ships or outside of uh, ports and things like that. It was definitely a thing. Yeah. And uh, it was already intense from, yeah, like 12 years of war. And now, all of a sudden, your livelihood is, is uh, you have a mark it's on It's gone. You. And they actually ended up establishing another uh, stronghold. It was on this island called New Providence Island, and the city was called Nassau. Okay. And so, it just basically just became the new pirate hub, as opposed, as opposed to Port Royal. Obviously, yeah, pirates were not welcome there anymore. Right. Um, and that was essentially the place where Anne Bonnie would meet her fateful lover. That's right. Captain Calico Jack. But, yeah. But before um, we get into that. Before we get into that. (laughs) (laughs) We have a little promo break. Yeah, we do. Yeah. From someone in our new Podfix Network family. Yeah. So, actually, we should have mentioned that off the top. You can, we're a part of the Podfix Network, so Uh you can find us at podfixnetwork.com along with a bunch of other awesome shows, and one of those awesome shows is Who Spiked the Puns? Who? Yeah, they do a great job. It's a super funny, um, yeah, go over like mashups of movies and stuff. It's it's just super entertaining and uh, definitely worth a listen and a subscribe. So take a listen to this promo and uh, check out Who Spiked the Puns. Greetings and salutations. This is Fuzzy Dan from Who Spiked the Puns. Each week, with the help of some of my special friends from around the internet, we'll be mashing together two disparate movies to make something unexpectedly awesome. This is the podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously, because everybody knows fat puns don't fly. Find me now on whospikedthepuns.com or on a podcatcher near you. And we're back. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're moving into the nitty gritty. We're going to talk about Mary Reed and Anne Bonny and get into their background. Yes. So we did a little bit of a lead up there, just gave some context as to what sort of atmosphere they were entering. Yeah, an intense one. An intense one, one where they <laughs> like, were basically hunted. Super gnarly. Yeah. And that actually, I think, plays heavily into uh, Anne Bonny's fascination with pirates and her wanting to become part of that scene. But yeah. we're going to start off with Mary. Okay. I think that's a good place to start. Sure. Yeah, so Mary Reed was born in 1691, and she was actually born in England, um, allegedly an illegitimate daughter of a captain's widow. Okay. Yeah, and so Reed's mother, she she was kind of down on her luck. She wasn't really... 
She actually was married at one point, and then he ended up dying or leaving her. The story's pretty vague. Okay. And she had a son with this man. And so when Mary comes into the picture is after he's left or dead, and she, being a young woman, just a little bit reckless, ends up becoming impregnated again. Yeah. And at the time, she was actually living with her husband's relatives but okay. she ended up leaving because of her shame yeah okay and she didn't actually tell them as far as the story goes um or the legend goes i should say that she uh that she didn't even tell them she was pregnant and so what happened was unfortunately the son the legitimate son ended up dying and in order to secure financial support her mother craftily disguised mary as a boy and passed her off as her That's older, nice. yeah, her yeah. older, uh, I guess, well, would have been her, like, half-brother. Half-brother. And, yeah, it was successful for quite a few years until the grandmother ended up dying. And so, anyways, yeah, Mary ended up living most of her childhood posing as boy. Wearing boy's clothes. Um, she adopted the personality and the name Mark. So, yeah, she, she basically, out of necessity, was cross-dressing. And it, yeah, it kind of led into, she, she really kind of became I don't even I don't know I'm, I'm just kind of like the way the feel that I got from the accounts I read yeah was that she she did really feel like one of her identities was marked but she was never she was never like a lesbian she definitely was attracted to men and she ended up joining the army as a foot soldier right and that's where she met her husband and she was still in disguise. She joined as a man and ended up revealing herself to him at an opportune moment, I guess, when they had a sack. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way. Just a FYI, I'm yeah. not a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, yeah, so she ended up marrying and opening up a little eatery, and then he ended up dying. So her, her life was set up to be not so, no. uh, not so crazy. And then it kind of, like her mother, sort of runs into a little bit of bad luck. Yeah. So she kind of, she had a bit of a rough go. Yeah. I would maybe say. And this is all when she's still quite young, obviously, right? This is in, this is uh, like early 20s kind of thing. Not even. Or, Or late teens. Yeah, late teens. I think, I think she was home from, from her serving duty when she was maybe 20. Married at 20 and then he was dead by the time she was 21 kind of thing. Boy, were things different back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, yeah, she, she really gravitated towards this identity as a means to sort of pursue her own opportunities because obviously men were afforded a lot more during that time. And so she decided to retain this identity of Mark. And so, again, yeah, once she, once her husband died, she resumed it out of necessity. Yeah. And she ended up, well... She ended up, yeah, like, just becoming a stowaway, essentially. And she made her way to the West Indies. And it's not really sure. She was just kind of bouncing around. I had one account where she was known to the governor of the, like, of, I guess, the British governor of wherever in the Bahamas. She Her identity was known. She was a wanted woman. There is evidence that um, after she and and uh, Bonnie had hooked up, yeah. well, not like hooked up, but you know what I mean. Had met up. Had met up, yeah, and were um, acquainted with one another, that they, both of their names were put on a wanted poster. Really? Yeah, most wanted in the Caribbean, so Goodness. that's pretty badass. If you, you, if you, you have say. to wonder, though, because it is so vague. Like, what, what yeah. did she hear in the, I mean, presumably Mary 
ended up as a stowaway heading to the West Indies because she had heard about the lifestyle and the the way out for her in like saloons, you know, from from people around, from people around ports and things like that. It had to exactly. have just been word of mouth. Well, that was because there's no. She real... is the classic vagabond case, right? right? Yeah. Except she's not a man; she's a woman, and she was just she was doing it because she didn't really have any other way. Like, what are you going to do? I guess she could have maybe tried to have run the eatery by herself. I don't know. Maybe she wasn't able to, though, financially. I feel or... like it sounds like one of those situations where it's just almost like a snap. Like, I'm... you. She, ha- she had to take control in a more serious way than just to be like, I'm going to power through this on my own. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was outright pers- pursuing piracy directly. No. Right? Because that's something we come across later. Yeah. But... It was definitely a way of at least exposing you to other opportunities, I guess, right? Although exactly. taking a massive risk doing it, like life life or death at sea. It's, uh, exactly. yeah, and, and obviously concealing an identity at the same time, like super dangerous. Yeah, there is one statement, uh, and this was from David Cordingley's Seafaring Women, which talks about pirates, sailors' wives, and stowaways. And he states in it that Mary had later stated she didn't go willingly into this lifestyle, but the life of the pirate was something she always abhorred and only went into it upon compulsion. So, yeah, so we kind of get that. I'm not sure if she was committing acts of piracy before she met up with Anne Bonnie and Calico Jack, but we'll get into that in a little bit. I think, maybe, do you want to dive into the the, um, origin story of Anne Bonnie? Yeah, there's, excuse me, there's less known about Anne Bonny. She's, yeah, I mean, most of it's derived from this book um, from Captain Charles Johnson, A General History of Pirates, spelled with a Y, P Y R A T S, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And um, an interesting point about that is obviously there's speculation as to who actually wrote this Mm -hmm. because there isn't a record of a Captain Charles Johnson really to be found anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, so the question is, it, is it an alias of another captain or is it an alias of a writer? And some people have, I believe it was in the 1930s, there was an American literary researcher of some kind or whatever. Uh, he's, he's the one who put forth this idea that it could have been Daniel Defoe, the okay. author of Robinson Crusoe. Interesting. Who published over 500 books and pamphlets and all kinds of different stuff. Anyway. But we do know that bon- Anne Bonny was born uh, Anne Cormac in Cork, Ireland around 1700, And but it is uncertain whether or not her father was indeed this guy named William Cormac, who was a wealthy lawyer, prominent lawyer, who had, very much like the situation of Mary, um, an illegitimate relationship with a family, with a servant. Uh, right. Uh, in the house. Yeah, this is actually hilarious. When I was reading through Cordingley's account, this, the same guy that I just mentioned previously that wrote... Um, seafaring women, which is actually called The Adventures of Pirates, Sailors, Wives, and Stowaways. Hmm. <laughs> uh, he describes how Anne came into this world, this is a quote, as a result of a complex saga involving the theft of some silver spoons, the lawyer sleeping with his wife when he thought he was sleeping with the maid, and the maid being sent to prison. The lawyer and the wife had a quarrel and separated, end quote. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just like this hilarious, like weird, it almost reminded me of Faulty Towers. <laughs> oh my gosh. Totally. Right? Like, it's just like... You accidentally, like... Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Like, how do you accidentally... I don't know. That's sleep a... with your wife when you thought you were sleeping with a maid? I don't understand that. <laughs> or vice versa, obviously. Anyway, that's a Basil Faulty move, I suppose. It, it definitely is. But I think it was pretty conclusive that it was William Cormac. 
And yeah. the, and, okay. I, and I have multiple accounts that okay. are supporting that. Good. But maybe they were all sourced from the same or uncertain. But okay. Yeah. You don't know. Who knows? I mean, I, yeah, it's definitely leaning that way. And it makes sense because the, it, the story kind of continues on that. Um, or, well, there's a few other sort of interesting points here, though. Like, when she was quite young, they had moved to, they moved, they moved to the, they left England. Or yeah. they left the UK. And, mm-hmm. they, and why like, that was the, there's yeah. a lot of ambiguity surrounding that as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you, you, would you have just done that just because you slept with the maid? Probably not. Like why, like what was the reasoning? I, okay. Yeah, that, that was definitely, there was a lot of inconsistencies there. I, several accounts sort of alluded to the idea that, okay. So basically what happened was Cormac sleeps with the maid, accidentally impregnates her. She obviously has the kid. It's not a legitimate kid. It's not born to the household. Obviously, it's not his wife that's having it. Yep. So the child is not in the house, is what I would assume, or it would be in the servant's quarters. Yeah. And so essentially what the father did was because he was so fond of Anne and really liked her, and he tried to pass her off as a, in some accounts, it says tried to pass her off as a distant relative. In others accounts, it says that he tried to pass her off as a clerk that he was training. And so in that way, he dressed her up as a boy in order to pass her off. I think the, the, that makes more sense, like training to be a clerk. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense if you're a distant relative. Why Why would you dress her up like a boy boy or girl? Yeah, exactly. It's whatever. But obviously if you're trained to be a lawyer, you've got to be a man because they're back in the 1700s. But just again, this is just the same sort of, you know, forced to, to dress like a boy. Yeah. That sort of almost in a way seems like it, it. Like, you know, manifested sort of a, this tomboy persona that they, they took on. That a they bit were, of a rebellious yeah, persona. Yeah, rebellious, yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I think the scandal comes out because they're still in Cork at this time. And the wife realizes what's going on. And it just becomes a scandal. Obviously, people start spreading rumors. His practice starts to suffer. And so he ends up packing the family and taking them to America. I mean, I guess that makes sense. That makes sense to me. I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean... When you think about it, it's hard to put yourself in the 1700s, but obviously, I mean, I forced my way through reading Middlemarch, and that was, I think, earlier, but yeah, these types <laughs> of things were a big deal back they in the were. day. <laughs> it was, yeah, scandal and, and reputation and people stepping outside those lines of conformity, that is a big deal. Yeah. And you can't really make it as a lawyer or a professional person if, if that is what people are thinking about you and talking about. So you. they, so they, as the story goes, then they bipped off to Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston. And who he sort Famous of changed. pirate capital again. Like there's yeah. so many stories I came across that were like talking about like, like standoffs. And anyways, we're getting off topic. There's Sorry. so many pirate episodes to be had. Like I have a feeling we, we're going to do a pirate yes. series. We should even do like a listener call out. Like tell us Ooh. your favorite pirate stories, your favorite characters. Let's do that right like, now. Send us your favorite pirate stories. Do it. Um, and we, we will do a series on pirates and we'll we'll cover it all. Yes. Yes. It'll be like a whole month of pirate episodes. No. <laughs> okay, anyways. Okay. So but he he her father sort of switches careers over there. He's not practicing oh, yeah. law. He, yeah, he ends did. up acquiring some land and actually develops it into a quite successful plantation. Mm-hmm. He, he becomes a plantation owner and he was successful enough. Do you enough know what that, kind of fruit it was? Was it pineapples? No, I don't think so. No? Charleston? No, do they cotton? No. Cotton, probably. Cotton, yeah. yeah, I would think cotton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> had to be cotton. Why do you say pineapples? Just because we were thinking of like the Dole Plantation, yeah, like we when were. I went to Hawaii. I have, I have pineapples in the brain right now. Yeah. Oh, you want a pineapple? 
please. That's what I mean. Grilled pineapples. Pirates should have been mm. eating more pineapples. Let's just say that. If, yeah. Anyway. Blinkity scurvy. Well, they they would add lemon juice to their to their um to their grog to try to avoid once they sort of caught on to scurvy. Really? That was their way of getting some citrus lemon, lemon juice or any Where citrus the hell juice. Lemons? Uh, on the islands they were visiting. I thought lemons were like Mediterranean in origin. I don't know. I guess people had brought them over by this point. Citrus fruits. Hmm. Okay. The Spanish must limes, maybe limes, citrus limes. fruits. I mean, there's definitely citrus fruits around, right? Anyway, <laughs> there's lots of citrus. That's just a fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> cool. On a day. <laughs> cool story, bro. The more you know. The more you, yeah. <laughs> and okay. now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So they moved to Charleston. Right. In the plantation. Okay. <laughs> the plantation. Right. Okay. And they, so yeah, but he was successful enough that he could afford to sort of raise Anne to be like middle class, like upper middle class. She wasn't, um, she wasn't in the same position as Mary was, um, right. so to speak. Right. So Very that's privileged. why, yeah, she was in a privileged, pri- privileged position, which makes it kind of, kind of interesting that she chose the life that she did. Right. Mm. Um, or is it? Maybe she's just bored and I, she feels slightly, I, I would honestly, if I was born as the white, or sorry, the, the maid's daughter, and then I'm kind of brought into this household, and there's probably some tumultuous feelings, like, I, I would, like, they, I don't even know, did, did her father actually bring, were they permanently separated, or did he bring her over to America, too? That I don't know. That's I mean, that's what part, I mean. That's a missing like, piece of the, the story. Well, you've got more information on the dad than the father than I did because well, I, I didn't I, get that piece. Okay, so but, that's really interesting. I mean, the sources I looked at even said they weren't even sure if it was sure if what if it well it was just some a lot of it was unclear about the dad about Cormac like so that yeah I have no oh, idea I have no that's idea that's interesting because it was quite clear to me in a lot of sources yeah that, I know yeah. And I'm glad you came across that because that's obviously the way it is yeah so as far as like that whole I'm just trying to think of okay you come from this sort of this background where you are sort of illegitimate, you know, you kind of come up feeling like a little bit like, oh, the world's maybe against you a tiny bit. You had to move all the way across the world because of the scandal involved in your birth. Right. And then you're raised in this household where your father's probably doting on you because he seemed to spoil her quite a bit. Like, he loved this girl. Why yeah. the frick would you have an illegitimate... You didn't even have to acknowledge their existence and he has her raising her in his household. Right. So in, in that sense, I feel like there could have been some, some sort of just elements of rebellious animosity that you know like a privileged girl might have and, I guess. and yeah, it's almost I like the classic that. good girl gone bad type thing where she's like i just want to prove myself and i want to like you know what i mean like it seems that way it, it kind of does in a sense and and even like that history doc that um, we watched was saying like you know like a lot of those things where she was a beautiful woman that once she ran away and stuff like we'll get into that but yeah she was basically like a star of like the bars that she habited and all the stuff and, yeah and just kind of like a bit of an outsider but a very dominant personality oh for sure and i think a much more dominant personality than mary was yes mary Uh, was more meek seemingly yeah yeah, mary mary kind of like developed her skills whereas i think it just it came naturally to and yeah and she reveled in it she loved it yeah like even from a young age like she wasn't taking she wasn't taking any nonsense from anybody she Mm -hmm. even stabbed a maid at the age of 13 (laughs) just because she like ticked her off that's insane. She yeah. took she a dinner knife so and many fights. <laughs> like, yeah, she got into all these fights, all this trouble, and she ended up marrying this penniless uh, pirate named James Bonney. And then once she did that, her father disowned her. He was like, nope, nope, not having any of that. You're disinherited. You're not right. getting any money. And so they went to the pirate hotspot in the Bahamas. 
Uh, I can't remember what the... It was some bay that they went to. Probably. Yeah, it was probably uh, Port Royal if Port Royal wasn't underwater by this point. I it it wouldn't. I don't think it wouldn't. Was. It would have been by this point. Okay. So yeah, they had. Actually, off to no, the no. It would have been. It would have been what we, what we mentioned right off the break, right? It was Nassau. Right, right, right. In New Providence. Right, of course, yes. In the Bahamas. Yeah. Right. Though, sorry, we had a dumb moment there. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So she she hooks up with James Bonney. She she runs off. James becomes an informant for the Governor Woods. <laughs> kind of does like a little flip flop there. Right? Yeah. So That's he's kind of. Uh, but he was in deep with the pirate scene. And she was in deeper, I think, than him. I think she was more committed. And I don't think he knew that. No. Like, judging by any of this, right? I think he thought that she would be a convenient way to, like, have an inheritance and have some money. That's and... what it seems to be. Yes. And he got played. He did kind of get played. She just <laughs> left him. She didn't even divorce him. She didn't do anything. She just left him for yeah. Calico. Calico. Rear. Calico. She was enamored by all accounts. So who is this guy? <clears throat> who is this Calico? Who's Calico Jack? He was a very colorful character, hey? Yeah, I mean, he's... How could he not be? I mean, most people have probably heard that name before. Mm-hmm. It's in a lot of pop culture stuff, video games, um, all kinds of different things. But, yeah, ca- Pirate Calico Jack, <clears throat> John Rackham. Jack Rackham. Sorry, Jack Rackham. John Rackham, a.k.a. Calico Jack. So you did Jack and John. <laughs> John and Jack. Johnny Jack, sir. <laughs> Whatever. That is a pirate. That is a pirate name, though. If like that is such a good pirate name. Like and even- he, they call him that because of his flamboyant dress. Okay, right? but that that is the only irony of it. It's yeah. an awesome pirate name. It sounds so badass. But then, then it's Calico because he wore these yeah these super ridiculous bright outfits. ridiculous just pompous like oh man oh man he like yeah like when you look at the um i mean they're not yeah like the paintings of these guys yeah it's like like, coming across that dude you're just like he walks into the bar just like uh you'd be like (laughs) yeah you (laughs) you're wearing your like plain dirty linens yeah (laughs) you're just like like, yeah that guy's got it going on so he stood out he just uh he just went over to louis vuitton over there and just picked up some uh you know (laughs) The Louis. Yeah, like the actual, like, like king Louis of France. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, King Louis just yeah. raided his wardrobe and yeah. came over to the New World. That's pretty much what it looked like, honestly. It was that. It was that. And we're going to have pictures of all these colorful characters on our website, yeah. so be sure to check that out. So let's fun. let's just assume here, like, Anne Bonnie, she was a bit of a, uh, you know, she, she was a sucker for this stuff. She was kind of, of uh, materialistic. And she grew up, like, okay, so she was born roughly in 1700. Yeah. She grew up in an era where pirates were superstars, right? Mm-hmm. Blackbeard, superstar. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they were all super badass. <laughs> superstar. It was like, he, he, he seriously was. It was like today's version of Hollywood, right? Actors, but, but not legitimate, right? So it was almost like mobsters, yeah, like had these that, famous the gangster appeal. Yeah, totally. It's like totally. totally badass. Yeah, and so she grew up just, just I'm assuming just idolizing like, exactly. Yeah, just coveting it and right. wanting to be a part of it so bad. Right. And then she comes across this guy who is the quintessential pirate. <laughs> and so you, you kind of came up with some more information on him, right? Um. Well, let's see here. Let me find. How my old spots. was this guy when he met her? Even I wonder. Well, he was born quite a bit before she was, uh, really? around 1680. Oh, so he's like 20 years old. Yeah, so yeah, so he was quite a bit older. So he would have been, you know, late 20s, I guess, mm-hmm. around the time they linked up. Okay. And by this point, he was obviously already well known in the Caribbean. He was one of the one of the most dominant figures. People <laughs> feared him. He 
he uh, was brutal and ruthless and just all those things, all those typical things, right? Like Not quite I, as badass as, like, Blackbeard. Not though, as intense. I think he had, I mean... Especially in the end, right? I think yeah. Blackbeard's ending was way more epic. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. And we'll get into that in another episode. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> Calico's was, well, we'll get to his, yeah. He had sort of a funny end. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> Calico did? Yeah, well... He did, yeah. Kind of. It wasn't very... Honorable. But anyways, we'll get into that in yeah. a second. Anyway, but he, he started his career serving under the renowned pirate uh, named Charles Vane, who, uh, this was in the early part of 1718, and then he quickly kind of rose ranks until he uh, became the captain of his own ship and kind of began doing his own thing. And so that is about the time that Calico would have linked up with Anne Bonny. That's right. Yeah, and so the story goes that he actually was at one of the bars or taverns in yeah. Casau or whatever it was that we, uh... Nassau? N- Nassau, Nassau, right. Sorry, yeah. Casau, Nassau. Close enough. <laughs> I mean, she was, she was frequenting these establishments. She was. And this was while she was still married. And she was quickly becoming disillusioned with her sort of turncoat husband who was working for the governor secretly and spying on pirates, which is not cool, man. He wasn't, he wasn't hardcore enough for her. Yeah, he's a narc. Yeah, exactly. And so she ended up spying this man one night dressed in brightly colored Indian calico cloth. Yeah. And realized that she needed some of that. <laughs> <laughs> and so they ended up running away together. She, again, she never bothered divorcing. Uh, no, she just pieced the scene. Bonnie. What was the name? Tom Bonnie or something? Uh, James Bonnie. James Bonnie. Yeah, James, you were not, you were just not he wasn't cut. He wasn't, <laughs> the, <laughs> he wasn't cut from the same cloth. Or <laughs> oh, pun The cut of his intended. jib was not quite enough for her. Anyways, that, those are both really bad. <laughs> Nautical pun and a, oh my God, too many puns. Lots of puns. What is a jib, actually? It's a... Is it a cut of meat? It's... No, 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 no. A jib. No, a jib is a... I don't like okay, the Okay, I'm not a jib. sailor, but I think jib is either... It's either one of the smaller sails or it's a rope. Really? Yeah. On we need a, a fact checker. Okay. <laughs> Let's go Sailors out there. Tell us what a jib is exactly. Uh, I mean, my dad's a sailor. We could ask him. But anyway. Well, he's not right here, so... Let's get his opinion after. <laughs> Anyways, so it was about this time, yeah, so they ended up hooking up, and they went to sea together because they realized that her sort of, well, her marriage was falling apart, and she wasn't she wasn't interested anymore, and no. she just wanted a new adventure, and I think, I don't know if she was more the driving force behind it all, but obviously he was already a pirate, so she just kind of, kind of uh, started riding that pony, you know, just... Uh, What's the, what's the, oh, I keep trying to come up with stupid <laughs> turns of phrase that aren't working out for me right now. <laughs> this is one of those days. I guess. What the heck was the ship called that they left on? The Revenge. That was Calico's ship? The Revenge, yes. Dang. I know, right? And that's actually really close. I feel like he must have named it after the Queen Anne's Revenge, which was um, Blackbeard's famous ship. Okay. Yeah. So he was kind of following in those footsteps and wanting to appear to be... As badass as Blackbeard was, I guess. Right, yeah. So they're sailing around on this revenge, and then they happen to link up with none other than Mark Reed, a.k.a. Mary Reed. And you said this before we started recording. Mm-hmm. What the heck? What are the odds of that happening? Like, really? Right, yeah. Of them both ending up on the same ship. It's insane, because this 
I, it, okay, it makes me wonder, were there a lot more women dressing up as men than are recorded in history? And they just weren't as, you know... Or is this just the most brilliant Hollywood plot that you've ever come up with, but it's 17th century, yeah. and you know what I mean? It writes itself. It does, yeah, it lends itself to fantasy and fiction, but remarkable, right? Yeah. And so what happens is Mark ends up joining the crew. Yeah. Either... I. It is, again, very hazy as to whether it was through her own volition or whether she was just kind of um, compelled to a certain extent, either die or become a pirate. Hmm, I think I'll become a pirate. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I probably would too, to be honest. No doubt. And especially if she is able to have this alternate persona where she isn't a vulnerable woman, she is a man. And so the story goes, or legend goes, I should say, Anne developed a crush on Mark. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And this was recorded in that general history of pirates by that disputed author. I would just call him anonymous by this point. And we'll get into that in a little bit here because there's some juicy tidbits involving that as well. Definitely. But yeah, so essentially there is a lover's triangle happening. And I guess what happens is Mark is forced to reveal herself to... And to Anne Bonnie. In order to save her skin, so to speak, because Calico Jack was about to string her up, I think. Yeah. He was getting to the end of his rope. Well, he was, uh, yeah, yeah, he was, uh, according to the, the history of pirates, he was basically saying to Anne, uh, he, yeah, he, he knew what was up. He knew something was up and he was like, you need to, you're, you're going to slit his throat mm. if this continues. And that was almost and a test for her, seemingly, is yeah. what it comes across as. Oh, for sure. It's like a test of loyalty. If you don't do this, then that shows that you are more loyal to Mark than you are to me. Exactly. And in the pirate world, I feel like that would not go very well for no, you. No, that's pretty much all you have in the pirate world is loyalty. Yes. And uh, so, of course, Mary had no, has, had no choice but to re- reveal her identity. But what was interesting in that, it was sort of, I mean, it, it states this in the Brief History of Pirates, which we will have in our sources that you guys should definitely check out. It's really, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of not entirely clear how quickly Rackham knew of this knew that oh, she was a female, it whether was a it was right of away days, or weeks, months. Yeah, like yeah. whether or not she kept that under, whether it was just the two of them held that secret. Yeah. But definitely at some point he found out. And it was basically because to save both of their skin, right? Um, both Mark, Mary, mm-hmm. and Anne. And uh, the three of them then kept that secret from the crew. Right. And so it was Mark big, was Mark still. Yeah. Mary under wraps. Yeah, and, okay. and Calico knew it. Interesting. And my rationale for that is be, is basically that if the crew found out, it wouldn't look good for Captain for Calico, Ca- for Calico right? It would be two one women? you one you yeah you're you're being manipulated by these two women potentially, mm. or you're you didn't know, so you're, you're out soft. of it, and you're yeah. So like, it, and then I, the I whole idea of like yeah, women are not welcome on board. They're, they're, they're thought seen of as, as bad recreation. Luck. They're not thought of as part of your crew. And seen of as, as bad luck. Like, just straight superstition, women on ships were not good luck. And I feel like that probably came about as a result of, like, yeah, if there's one woman and a bunch of men on board, hmm. Yeah, that's not the best. It's not the best scenario. No. Especially over extended periods of months at sea. No, no. <laughs> like a night, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And that's actually why, I mean, it's common, common knowledge that, uh, you know, pirates kind of got together like men. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they practice. Boys tw- weren't allowed on board no, either they, because they were vulnerable and they yeah. were susceptible to. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. But they ended up in relationships together because they're out at sea for months and years, and there's you know they're just mm-hmm. th- there's small groups of men together, and you know it's funny actually that reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean. You know those two the the cup they're not a couple but they are they're like the two the one with the oh, eyeball yeah, yeah, that yeah. keeps popping out and that's exactly and, what and they're just like. like a couple kind yeah, of they're exactly. like together and, yeah. and it works exactly right? it's not necessarily together. like a romantic relationship mm-hmm. it's just like a a companion yeah like, I mean a partner it did like they obviously they did like hook up yeah like right like probably was, a necessity like dang yeah, exactly got stuff I got stuff exactly let's, let's... but then they would go to shore <laughs> and they would like share their prostitutes and share their wealth right. from plundering and all this kind of stuff and it was almost just like a very partner communal. in crime kind of thing and very egalitarian they very actually much had so. a lot of democratic element voting elements as far yep. as leadership goes and yep. that type of thing apparently they did have legit weddings though like except it wasn't a wedding in the sense that we would think of it but it was more of like a, a agreement ceremony Mm -hmm. to be like we're gonna share our booty we're gonna share this together okay so it's not like a vows up at the front with a priest or something but it was (laughs) it was like a ceremonial kind of a thing that's cool yeah it's like Uh, a a partner partnership yeah but like more intimate yeah, you know. I wonder if things would have been signed, like documents. Uh, you'd think so. I mean, Maybe. we like we didn't we didn't go into depth with that research. We're kind of getting off on a tangent. We are in a bit of. But a... that does actually it helps illuminate the potential possibilities for what this crew was like because it was a crew of twelve. Yeah. Uh, twelve to fourteen. Some accounts say twelve men plus the two women, and some accounts say twelve crew. So right. Anyways, small crew, right? Yeah. So you would think these. It's quite intimate, and maybe perhaps they. They were just a, a disparate band, but they were loyal to a certain yeah, extent, and yeah. they were just were able to get along, and that's why... Because that's the other thing, too, because I came across accounts where it was suggested that Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed were actually... They enjoyed a lesbian relationship together. Yeah, I'd seen and that And then as there well. was other accounts where Anne, Bonnie, always dressed as a man. She wasn't a woman on board with Calico Jack. Right. And so in that account, then that would be even equally, that would be even weirder, right? Because she would have to reveal herself to Mark and say, hey, I'm a woman and you're a man, so therefore we can be together, only to find out that Mark is actually You had to get the same response in return, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It would definitely make it awkward. It makes me wonder if there's other stories really similar to this that just aren't out, like, you know, like they're just hidden. There's not as infamous because of the end result, Yeah, like, yeah, there's more, like, you know, in the shadows, not as, because obviously the culmination of this was pretty epic and it is fairly well recorded there there are documentations of the trial and everything so i guess that's kind of where we're going yeah yeah i guess yeah well yeah we're i mean there's the story of how they got there exactly right um did you want to, I mean, you did, you, you did a really good job of it when we were looking at the notes. Did you want to kind of, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we alluded to it in the intro, obviously we did. So yeah, essentially what went down was Rackham and his crew, they definitely had some exploits. They definitely picked up the attention of the crown and specifically of Governor um, Woods, yeah. who was in charge of the uh, Caribbean area that was um, the, the British side of it, at least. Right. And so anyways, yes, they, <laughs> they were definitely wanted people <laughs> and... 
Which makes me question the choice of wearing such flamboyant clothing and things like that. (laughs) It's like, it's one thing to be recognizable like Blackbeard was for being so intense and like lighting your face on fire and things like that. Uh, But (laughs) his face is beard. Yeah, but no, but like to the onlooker, it's like his his, his beard and face is smoldering and smoking. Can you imagine being in that room with him? It's one thing to be recognizable for something like that. It's another to be just like outright recognizable, like seen from 10 miles away because you're wearing this bright red like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not calico, that Indian calico cloth. I don't, like, it just doesn't... Yeah. Anyway, continue. So, I guess, yeah, they they were being trailed. They had a crew of 45 that were after them, were hired pirate hunters. Yeah. On behalf of the crown. And they tracked them down to a, a specific bay. It was called Dry Harbor. Okay. And the pirates were anchored at that bay and had enjoyed... Many drinks that evening. Yeah, they had been drinking. And they were basically stinking drunk when they were coming upon by these hunters. Yeah. And it was very unfortunate for them. And Calico, he didn't help his case. He actually ended up firing. He was basically just super drunk and overconfident and, and just, like, ordered an attack when he probably shouldn't have. They probably should have tried to evade. The only people that were of sound mind were supposedly Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed. Yeah. And so as... <laughs> As they begin firing and, and the crew's just on all-out attack, they realize that they're outnumbered. It's yeah. 12 to 45, man. Like, come on. Yeah. So, yeah, as the ship drew nearer, the attacking ship, all of the men ended up <laughs> fleeing the deck. <laughs> and they were stashed away in the hull when, yeah, when they were um, come upon by these hunters. And supposedly they were led by one man, Jonathan Barnett, who was a famous pirate hunter. Uh, yes. One of the best, which is why the English crown... Um, hired him to do hired, it. Hired, exactly. And so, yeah, they ended up boarding the ship. The only people that held their ground were Bonnie and Reed. They used everything at their disposal. They used their machetes, their cutlasses, their... Uh, oh my gosh, there were so many cool weapons I came across. It was like, whoa, man. Like they, It was pretty ruthless, right? There oh, was yeah. this one, I can't remember what it was called, but it was essentially like a four to six foot um, pole with an ex- a huge spike on the end of it, and you would just like swing it at people, and, or you could throw it, and it was very effective against swords, right? Because you have that one. Ah, uh, of course. Anyway, so they were ruthless, and they were just... Uh, they held their ground. Like and, they. And, 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 yeah, so and they were captured inevitably, 45 to 12, you know, stinking drunk men down there. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, actually during the attack. So, basically, you have at first, like you said, like, Calico fires a shot at distance, right? They're provoking it, even though they are coming for them. Mm -hmm. And, like, just like in the movies, like, they they get up close. They have their grappling hooks, basically, right? They pull Mm -hmm. the ships together so that they can board. And it's just Bonnie and Reed on deck. And... What I came across is, like, the reason that they weren't drinking as well is because, obviously, even if they were maybe perhaps pregnant is some of the speculations along it, like, around this time, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. Women were still drinking when they were pregnant True. back then, right? The reason they weren't drinking is because of they needed to keep their wits about them, especially Mary, mm. um, being concealing her identity, right? Mm. She couldn't put herself at risk of being, letting her, you know, let, letting her character go. If she was intoxicated. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. That does make sense. I never even thought about that. And then that's why they were the only two sober ones on on board. Interesting. Totally makes sense. Huh. So yeah, they were, everyone was captured. And it's interesting because they did, 
they split up the trials. They tried the men pretty much right away. Yeah. I believe the exact date was January 24th, um, 1720. 1720 or 1721 now? I'm uh, but anyways, I believe 1720. I think it was 1720. Yeah. And they were all hanged right away. Yeah. And they ended up stringing up um, Calico Jack in one of those famous, like, you know, those cages yep. overlooking the bay. So everyone yep. coming in would see him. And I feel like that might have even been, um, they might have paid homage to that in the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Because you think see it was that, it's like, one, all yeah. ye pirates be warned. Right. And then uh, as they're entering Port Royal. Yeah. Hmm. So, actually, I'm not sure. It would have taken place in Jamaica, yeah, the trial. But anyways, getting back to the the, the important stuff. Again. Yeah. So, the men were tried, and then the women were tried. And the court records show that, essentially, they didn't have any defense, because they didn't have any witnesses to support their case, and they were trying to plead that they were helpless, and they hadn't actively participated, and all this stuff, even though it's pretty... Clear that they had been. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and this was the other thing that I came across too. They actually tried to use this against, I can't, I can't, I'm not sure exactly which one of the two women it was, but they were obviously choked that the men were down below not helping them during Mm -hmm. this attack. And one of the two actually fired around beneath the deck. Like they were yelling down being like, you cowards, like what are you like, get up here basically. Right. And one of them fired around from their pistol beneath and actually killed one of, one of the crew beneath. Really? And uh, supposedly. Oh. And, um, and so they, uh, they actually tried to end up using that against, I believe it was Mary Interesting. in the trial, which oh, is so ironic okay. because you had just hanged all these guys, yeah. <laughs> but are you going to try someone for murder for a person you were just going to hang anyway? That's kind of bizarre. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so funny. Oh my anyway. goodness. That's hilarious. Ugh. Yeah. And so they were pretty displeased, I think with their former crewmates, they were not happy to take up the fight while they were all just... Yeah, drunk as dogs and just, like, waiting to be captured below decks. Yeah. Like, really, though? And it's so funny because Anne is actually reported to have famously said about Rackham, if he had fought like a man, he need not have hanged like a dog. Yeah. What a great line. <laughs> Which really speaks to her character, I think, too. Like, she Absolutely. was a fighter, man. Totally. Like, and it's just... It, it's... Really unfortunate. So, again, what happens is both of these women end up pleading um, that they're quick with child, so they're yeah, pregnant. Yeah. And their their execution is stayed, even though they are both convicted of yeah. piracy, multiple acts of piracy and prob- yeah, murder, too, that type of thing. And, and then it, it just kind of drops off from there, hey? Like, the yeah. one vague account we have from St. Catherine's... Oh my gosh, what was it? It was a parish in St. Catharines in Jamaica. Yeah. And it was a record stating that uh, Mary Reed had been buried in right in a graveyard there. That she had passed away in prison and that she was buried there. Yeah. And, that's and that was the either only... a fever or due to childbirth. Right. Was the circumstances. But then it's like, what happened to the... What happened to the kid? Oh, that's, yeah. Right. Did it die too? You know, I, it's, it's curious how their, the record sort of stops. So vague. And that's sort of the mystery with this. I mean, we are, you know, we usually are, uh, previous episodes are a little bit more mystical. Mm-hmm. This is more of a historical glance at pirates and specifically, obviously these, these two, two incredible female pirates. Legends. But the real mystery is, is yeah, kind of this ending, um, Anne's ending especially, it's, she sort of just disappears outright. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mary, there's these couple of sort of, um, uh, yeah, references as to where she ended up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Anne's is a little bit more vague. 
So like, you know, some say that she ended up actually giving birth to Rackham's second child and ended up, you know, I don't know, like escaping and basically living out her days. Well, okay, that's interesting because I did come across the idea that... Yeah, so she, yeah, obviously it would have been Rackham's, which that she was pregnant with. Right. And so by this point, she had already had one child by Rackham. And there's conflicting sort of accounts where one would say that she just gave the baby up. Others say that she lost the baby shortly after giving birth to it. And this comes up after because, yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of accounts say that her father, William McCormick, sorry, had some influence because he was a, a, quite a wealthy individual and he actually played his cards and got her out of prison right. and brought her back That's to the, America, yeah. back to Charleston where she lived out her days, like you said. But there is this idea that he actually ended up sourcing her. He sucked, seeked, seeked. Oh my gosh. He sought. He sought. Yes, thank you. Oh my gosh. He sought out her first child and ended up finding him and bringing him back and Anne adopted him. Okay. And called him John after after Rackham. So that's uh So that that but that's not definitive, right? No, no, no. None of it um, is definitive at all. And and there's the other idea that she actually went and married another guy by the name of Burley, and bore several children by him. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of different things. And I, I really, there's not a lot of to substantiate any of this. I did come across one website called genie.com, and it's like a genealogy website. Yeah. And it was trying to connect a woman named Anne Bonnie to um, a certain Jethro Bonnie, which was supposedly her offspring. But he would have been born in 1735, so that's that's over 15 years after the trial. So I feel like that timeline doesn't really add up. She would have been, she would have been a old. lot older by then. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. a little bit... Uh, I suppose it, it could have been one of her earliest offspring as, like, a grandson. Maybe. Um, in their teens, right? Like, uh, if, if she had a daughter... I, I don't know. We, 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 oh, but that, no, that doesn't add up. That doesn't add up? Well, what, she, what, never how, had, she never had a child by her first husband as far as all the accounts go. Oh, okay, that makes so sense. So it was then. only yeah, Rackham. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, she but was, if, if she would have had one with Bonnie, then that could have made sense. Maybe, but yeah, again, there's no evidence to support that she had a child Right, because she kind of just pieced the scene on him, like, she right really away. She really did. I don't think she was that, yeah, she was just kind of like, eh, I'm done with you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... It's it's so it's crazy, right? Like it would take a little bit more research into like how the political angle of that would have worked. Like how would Cormac have reached out um, mm, yeah. as a basically like as a defector of the crown, basically, right? Being like, see you later. I was shunned from where I used to be because I slept with the maid. Now I'm living in the new world. And uh, by the way, I want my daughter back, who's now mm. under the uh, I don't British. Think- con- I think he had quite a bit of influence. I don't think anyone would have held uh, an affair from over 20 years ago against him in the New World. I feel like well, I that guess, would... but it's just like, he, yeah, he that's was kind well- of irrelevant. He was it's wealth- not like he's in Ireland. No, anymore. but he was wealthy and had influence, but he was just a plantation owner. It's not like he was. But he probably like he had, was a... he was probably well connected in, in politics, is what I would assume. Well, yeah, definitely would had would have had to have been. Yeah. To have gotten a pirate daughter out of jail. When in... she's supposed to be hung. Yeah, that's. That's going to take some strings being pulled. But there's no record of her ever being executed. Right. So. 
I like to think that she made it back, obviously. I think, yeah, I feel like that's a much more satisfying narrative where she had her rebellious youth, she she got it out of her system, and then she ended up marrying and living a quiet life in Charleston, raising eight kids. After, like, murdering and pillaging and... Right? Because that's something, I mean, we didn't give too many, like, details because there aren't that no. many. Um, but by all accounts... These women... They were active. And and being more, doing it for fun, married more out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Like, they were ruthless. Yeah. Slitting throats, doing all they had to do. All the same things that their crew were doing when they were attacking ships. They would have had to to gain a reputation. Exactly. And to have legitimacy. When they did gain a reputation. Yeah. They gained a reputation of, like, stabbing their victims more times than necessary in <laughs> space. Like, in, in the stomach and in areas where they knew it wouldn't kill them right away. Mm-hmm. Like, they knew how to inflict pain. Mm-hmm. Um, learnt probably from Calico and other pirates, right? Or just learnt from doing it. <laughs> he just takes practice. <laughs> we just... <laughs> uh, so these are just two incredibly... I just... They're so fascinating. Both of these stories, they come from very disparate w- worlds, I would say. Yeah. But they come to a culmination. Basically, their lives... Yeah, like the climax of their lives were together. And then obviously, yeah, we get Mary Reed dying, unfortunately, and then Bonnie disappearing. And it's just, and then you get this account from supposedly Defoe. And it's like, this surfaced three years later. And it was, so yeah, it was published in 1724. And it was an instant hit. Like, boom. People loved it. There was a fourth edition by 1726. So only two years down wow. the road. Yeah. yeah. So it was just, it was, it, it really drew on the fascination for the exotic world, oh, the absolutely. new world, uh, people in London. That was where the book actually premiered was in London. Yeah. So yeah. in that sense, it kind of actually correlates to one of the other theories. So we've been kind of saying like, oh, it could have been, I keep wanting to say Willem Dafoe. <laughs> not <Yeah>. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah. Not the guy not, from Spider-Man. No. Not that guy, but <laughs> Daniel Defoe. Right. And the idea that he might have been involved. But there's also another guy that many scholars have pointed to that could have been the author. Okay. And he was actually a publisher. His name was Nathaniel Mist. And Sorry, just to be clear, the author of the oh, history the general of history the general of history of pirates, pirates. Which was the main account that talks about Anne Reed. Or sorry, Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. And Rackham. And Rackham. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the primary source that yes. all other works have sort of derived from. Right. So right. it's kind of like the 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 rock the bedrock, yeah. so to speak. Absolutely. So yeah, so this guy, Nathaniel Mist, he was, again, like I said, he was a publisher. He was in London at the time. And he, I don't, yeah, like he, there was this one scholar named, uh, Arn, oh, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Arn <laughs> Bieluszewski, nice. nice. In the University of Kiel in Germany, and they were the person, the, the individual that actually put forth this idea that this former sailor, he was a journalist and he was a publisher of this uh, weekly journal, is what it was called. Okay. Nathaniel Mist. He would have been well qualified. He would have known the ins and outs. So maybe this was a work of fiction. Some people have pointed to. Maybe he he just had a history, like he just had knowledge of these people because of his past work as a sailor and things like that. Yeah. So it's very vague. It's, um, it's like it's so it it's like it's detailed though, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a book that you you look at it and it's like okay, it makes sense when the prose, like the way it's written, it's like it is very much like 
stuff was written that way back then, though, right? It was more mm-hmm. kind of jazzed up. It's not like an article where he's like, Jack no. Rackham did this, this, and this. Like, it comes across as more fictional. A little but, bit. But not it really. doesn't necessarily... But not really, though. Like, not not to the same extent as other... The, as an account. As an account. Yeah. For the most part. For the most part, right? But obviously, yeah. there's there's int- there's intimate, like, things on, like, dialogue, like, conversations oh, and things. Like, obviously, those are embellished. True. They have to yeah. be embellished. Because this guy, unless... They're, they, this is like a triple alias where this is actually like a member of the crew oh, that yeah. is posing as this fake Charles Johnson captain uh-huh. who who has who's a fan of Daniel Defoe and basically wrote in his <laughs> prose to make it seem as if it was him. That's actually yeah. That's because a good the thing is, is when you look at the style of writing and what he talks about, it does kind of it, like you said, it indicates somebody who knows what they're talking about, somebody who had spent time mm-hmm. on a ship. And by all accounts, Defoe didn't. No, yeah, he didn't. He 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 was a merchant. You know, he was a writer. He spent his time on land. He was not a sailor, by all accounts. So that's my theory for that. It's just yeah, it's so funny because again, like yeah, some people will say like, oh, this is a work of fiction. Oh, this author, there's no there's no record of existence of this dude. Therefore, this is a pen name by someone who just yeah was fancifully writing a fictional account of, of whatever, even though there is documents that support the existence of all of these people, including Bonnie and Reed. Right. So things like a proclamation from Governor Woods Rogers so it was um, issued out in September 5th, 1720, right. and it actually appeared in the Boston Gazette um, just a week later, and it actually detailed the actions of Rackham's crew, all of their exploits, and a description of two women by the name of Anne Fulford, alias Bonnie, and Mary Reed. Wow, look at that, eh? So that's interesting. Yeah. And and then, uh, yeah, there was also another mention of them, of them, yeah, the, the Rackham's crew um, that forced, well, I don't know, I think this was a, a newspaper article or something, or just okay. like another issued statement, a proclamation of sorts. Right. That, yeah, that essentially Rogers had um, ordered a sloop of 40, with a crew of 45 after the 12 men and two women aboard the Revenge. Mm-hmm. So that, again, points to, yeah, the number, the crew of 45. Like, that's a lot of yeah. people to send out. Like, yeah. you're, you're making sure those people are either captured or killed and brought back. Like, yeah, you didn't want any slip-ups on that one, for sure. No. Yeah, it's just so fascinating, though. Like, I, I this book, like, I want to read the whole thing through. Like, we just read what was necessary for this episode and what was relevant. Yeah. But, again, like, I would highly recommend it. It is on Glutenberg. Project Glutenberg. I say Glutenberg because I'm a celiac and yeah. I love Glutenberg beer. <laughs> if you, yeah, sp- <laughs> sponsor, sponsor us, Glutenberg, yeah, please. Yeah, Glutenberg. <laughs> Canadian um, sponsor. Yeah, no, uh, it's available on PDF if you just Google it. But we'll, we will have it included in our sources as well. So you can yeah. check out our uh, check out the website it's, and it'll be up on Into the Portal. definitely was a very influential piece of work at the time and yeah. still remains that way as a historical document. Well, no other it's, documents have surfaced that are that match it, right? Well, that's just it too. Yeah. yeah, no other amount of detail and the amount, yeah, exactly, just the history it gives us. And it's so funny because David Cordingly, the guy that wrote that Seafaring Women book that I mentioned earlier, yeah. he actually wrote, he said, uh, this is a quote, it has been said, and there seems to be no reason to question this, that Captain Johnson created the modern conception of pirates, end quote. So whether this was actually a Captain Johnson or a pen name for someone else, he was very influential. Yeah, and in the perception of pirates and just exactly. the, the whole, this guy, it, it's because of this guy that Johnny Depp got that role. <laughs> <laughs> no, really though, it's because of this guy that, that, that's the, that the stories kind of evolved into that, right? The Pirates of the Caribbean and, and uh, 
because stories of pirates became infamous moving into the 1800s too, right? And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was basically because of this book. It's really cool. Really, really cool. This whole story is just like, I, uh... So anyway, to sort of, to wrap up the story portion, I, I guess I sort of gave my theory on, uh, on, um... Yeah, just like their the ending, fate the fate. Yeah, I mean, well, we both kind of did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's very open ended though. If anyone has any uh, additional information that we didn't include in this episode, please reach out to us. Yeah, but we would love to hear your thoughts on this Absolutely. because it's, it's yeah. Again, like I, I'm just, I feel like I'm gushing right now. I'm just like these women. Oh my goodness, like they're just way before their time, really. Yeah. And like it just yeah. makes me wonder how many other stories of women like this are around that just haven't been told. Yeah, just the records lost or just not, you know, whatever. I mean it's tough. It's, and it's not like, like they have a... to be a pie or anything, but just like these strong female I don't want to call them archetypes because they were real people. Yeah. But they really honestly are archetypes now, looking back yeah. from a historical standpoint. Absolutely. And just very inspirational. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, it, it was really fun for us to research and put together for you. And, and we'll again, be, yeah, totally. We're gonna, we're obviously gonna do another uh, more pirate pirates, <laughs> more pirates coming at you for sure. Because we love pirates. more, more history, more history, and more pirates. We're like pirates. The pirates, yeah. yes, indeed. Arg. <laughs> we haven't done that yet. <laughs> we need to get an arg uh, in there. Yeah, there you go. That's our one <laughs> arg for the episode. So before we wrap it up, we had some shout outs. Amber, you wanted to. Well, uh, okay, yeah. You guys might have noticed something different about the beginning of our show tonight. Yes. And so, yep, we did it. Yeah. We decided to launch a Patreon page yeah, for we did. all of you. And we really just want to create a really cool community where everyone can come and be a part of it and get really neat rewards and bonuses and just all sorts of fun stuff. Definitely. Like, we, we Have love your doing say, this. say, like, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. we, we love doing this. We wish that we could just do it full time. Um, mm-hmm. That's really tough, obviously. And uh, we know that's going to take a while to be able to do that. But that's why we launched Patreon, um, just to get more interaction with you guys. We've had such great support and feedback that we decided to create bonus mini episodes, bonus full length episodes. Yeah. Um, we have writing projects that are going to be available for different levels of patrons and Stickers. just all kinds. Oh yeah. Like all Shout kinds out. of really cool stuff. And what um, else? Oh my gosh. There's, um, we want to do the crossfire too. Yeah. So, so that would be like where you guys, if you're at that, that tier of support, then you can actually submit your own topics that will get into and debate yeah. and do all sorts of fun and stuff. And it'll be like a live stream, like a video stream. And then we will actually, that'll be like up on our YouTube, our crossfire. So, yeah. um, so there's that, but then yeah, like many, many episodes at like the $5 uh, Patreon uh, contribution level and mm-hmm. like sticker and shout outs and a handwritten thank you note from us and all kinds <laughs> of different stuff. Gotta have that personal touch, right? <laughs> yeah. We just, we love you guys and we love doing the show and we just really appreciate it. And if you're, if you like the show too, and you're willing to support, you want to support us, we would, we would love to have you along for the ride. Yeah. So you can um, so, visit that page at uh, patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Yeah. And Patreon, that's just spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. <laughs> P-R what? <laughs> P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Yeah, exactly. Um, Patreon.com forward slash into the portal. So go check that out. And, uh. Yeah, let yeah. us know what you think. And yeah, we just want to give a uh, shout out to Matthew Cronkite. Woo! Thanks for pledging your support. Cheers, man. Yeah, man, we really appreciate it. And uh, we hope that, uh, yeah, many more of you uh, join join the, uh, join the, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dive into the portal. <laughs> yeah, our journey us. into the bazaar. Exactly. So until next week, uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks again for listening. And we will be back again next Sunday. Until then.
was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.